Well, we are back on the saddle, so to speak. Perhaps even standing on a horse, Matthew Fairburn. Because we are back at One Bill's Drive for the first time. For a practice, that is. Who needs a saddle? Who needs a saddle? All you need is a couple of feet, says Ed Oliver. That's how, that's how you know if you really can deal with horses. That's that's his thing. So they say. Yes. But we're back here. Uh, we just got through watching Rookie Minicamp and in all its splendor, which is about, let's see, 16 guys total that um, will make a, eh, maybe 18, I want to say. 18 guys that uh, will be here by this time in a couple of weeks and the rest of the guys who are trying their hardest to stand out from the rest in tryout players. But it's always good to take in practice because you, you start to see these guys in, in, in uh, the team's colors, it's seeing what the team saw, maybe trying to figure out who they are. And I don't know, I, I, always, I always love this type of practice because you get to watch it the whole way through, get to see what these guys do in this setting and if any of these guys look great or if they don't. But it's always one that you have to kind of be careful with too because... I've I've fallen prey to this before. You can't get uh, too over the moon about somebody this early on because then you're just asking for trouble. It has at least been interesting this year, the last year, and I think even the year before when you have a rookie quarterback right. who's noteworthy. It makes rookie camp a little bit more fun to watch. We had Cardell Jones in 2016. Ooh. Um Nobody in 2017, I don't think. What are you talking about? Nathan Peterman. Oh, yeah, we did have Nathan Peterman. <laughs> How quickly we forget. So four years in a row now we've had a I mean, rookie quarterback of note. Sam Straub was out here slinging the Duke with he the was, number two. He was no Ryan Zapatiki who was out Ooh, here. Was that great. last year? Yes. I think. Great recall uh, there. He's one I'll never forget. Uh, but then, obviously, Josh Allen last year, and now this year, Tyree Jackson. Zapatiki Shippensburg? Is that right? Yes. Okay. He was also like five foot something. He, he was, was listed. Very, very short. He was listed at 5'11. He was not. Yeah, he's very, very short. And that was his only uh, cup of tea. Joe Licata made an appearance here. Yes, he did. At one point. In in fact, if I recall correctly, on this here podcast, didn't we call Ryan Zapatiki Kid Tutty? Yes. Or if we didn't, then we did it elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> but I don't even remember anymore. He had a he did okay for a yeah. five foot something quarterback. He did better than Sam Straub today. Yes. He had a tough go of it. But t- having Tyree Jackson out there I thought made it interesting. Having Christian Wade uh, the former rugby star out there made it interesting. And same goes for Duke Williams, uh, the 27-year-old or soon-to-be 27-year-old wide receiver from the CFL. Those are guys that at least you know are going to have a shot to compete. And then obviously the draft picks. But, mm-hmm. you know, you expect most of the, you know, watching Cody Ford alongside a bunch of, tryout guys or undrafted guys and up against a bunch of tryout guys in no pads does you mm-hmm. no good same right. goes for ed oliver on the other side right. uh devin singletary you know you at least get a glimpse at but for the most part you're 
something like this, you're almost looking at receivers and quarterbacks. Yes, because it's defensive backs, how way. they move, tight ends, even how how they so move, there were, how they run you know, routes. There was Dawson Knox and Vishon Tommy Joseph. Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney made yep. a few plays. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaquan Johnson was out there, so there was football things happening. It was a it wets the beak, so to speak, but it's not not quite all this spring stuff, at least in my experience is kind of fool's gold because it 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 can be it, it can set the stage for some be. things but to me i will always remember des lewis and i'll never get the taste of des lewis uh you know i'll never shake the image of how good he was in the spring and how bad he was uh in the summer out of my mind i agree there there it is more often that the gold that you find in the spring ends up becoming coal by the time the summer comes around if it's not an established player but there's always that that one chance like in buffalo it was stevie johnson that looked he looked incredible in those spring workouts nickel roby coleman is another one that looked incredible in 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 those and and those are guys that ended up becoming really big time contributors but you're absolutely right that's why you have to just kind of take it all with a grain of salt but I do think I, what Sean McDermott said was accurate, that you can tell on the surface when you're watching which guys have their chin over the bar, as he said, mm-hmm. talent-wise. And that's where, for instance, Robert Foster last year, you watched him in the spring and thought, well, he's good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's raw, but he's good. And it's it didn't show up in training camp, but it started to show up later on. You saw that... As Sean McDermott put it, he had his chin over the bar from a talent standpoint if he were able to put it together. So there are hints, but right, exactly. there are not concrete uh, takeaways necessarily. And I thought this was this year was specifically interesting because there were a lot of skilled players of consequence in this crop. I mean, you, you laid out uh, a few of them. Devin Singletary, Christian Wade, they, they were... I mean, it's at least fun to talk about them and consider them. Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney, those two guys that will try and factor into the 53-man roster before it's said and done. Uh, David Sills um, and you know Nick Easley, even the slot guy. Uh, those are a couple of undrafted. So there's a there's a a, a good handful of players, but um, it's it's trying to figure out. I think this is almost kind of a a sniff test too because you want to find out which of these guys and a lot in the same way that Sean McDermott put it if someone isn't living up to that billing that could kind of be the first feeling in the pit of your stomach where like uh oh did we did we do this improperly why aren't they why aren't they showing well against tryout guys and and that's always a concern but then you have in the case of like Ed Oliver who came in here, he should be dominating in, in this sort of capacity because he there is not a single player on this um, rookie minicamp roster that plays on the interior that is someone that the Bills have any ties to past this weekend. They were all tryout players. The only offensive linemen that are signed by the team are Cody Ford, who is at right tackle, and Blake Hance, who I believe was at left tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Um but other than that, it was a lot of tryout guys. And I'll say flat out, I mean, I was watching Oliver specifically a lot today, and 
he was phenomenal. He was great, but he should be. He should be. He's a top 10 pick. He should be dominating players like that all the time. I don't care if they're not even in pads. I mean, his his speed, his explosiveness, they're all great. It checks the box saying, okay, Ed Oliver did exactly what he was supposed to do in this setting. Phew. Let's get to OTAs, figure out what he can do from there. And that's really the baseline for these earlier picks anyway, like him, Cody Ford. Cody Ford, again, looks smooth. Like you said, he was going up against tryout guys. It's just the most important part are that they did exactly as you thought they would, and that is to be a couple of the best players on the field, and that should be the way about it every single time. And if it's not at rookie minicamp, that, then that's when you go... Yikes, well, this guy might be a little bit farther away than we thought. So at that point, those two guys specifically passed the sniff test to me. I enjoyed Jim Nagy's tweet. Uh, Jim Nagy runs the Senior Bowl. He used to scout for the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Patriots, maybe another team. And he said, you know, rookie minicamp, he remembered being with a team where they drafted a skill player fifth round, third round, somewhere in that range. And he said... I think it was fifth round because he said we immediately knew we had made a huge mistake. And I think the guy was cut like before uh, final cut down at the end of the um, at the end of training camp. So the idea that you can look at these guys on the field and realize you've made a huge mistake is a jarring one. But it's yeah, it's one that's real. And so that's you know interesting. I don't think anybody stood out in that way. Um today not um, the drafted ones but you know may, yeah obviously there are some um you know guys on the on the tryout basis that you can tell why they're on the tryout basis but none of these draft picks looked out of place which is a positive you know there's Tyree Jackson is going to be an interesting guy to follow throughout the spring and the summer because he's now going to get a lot of reps yes now that Derek Anderson retired I don't know that he's going to get an insane amount of reps, but he's going to get a good amount of reps. And so a lot more than he would have got as the number four. And he is quite erratic. Um, Raw and is the term I but would use. They, what I noticed is that they were having him throw the ball downfield a lot. They weren't really you know, shy about what he does. Mm-hmm. They know what he does, and so they wanted – it's like, hey, if we're going to have these receivers work against these defensive backs, let's see what you know this kid has. Let's let him throw it up there. And like I said, he's quite erratic. He, he's a, a project, but it still adds a layer of intrigue to preseason games, late in, in preseason games. And For it, sure. And when typically I would have been able to put my notebook down if, Derek Anderson was out there with the threes during the spring and summer. I mean, there's only so much you can watch, and watching Derek Anderson wouldn't really move the needle. But watching Tyree Jackson is going to be noteworthy. I think people are interested in him, and I think there's a reason to wonder if he can develop into a long-term backup. And so today was his his first sort of foray into, into this, and – uh, they stumbled into a situation. They both sort of stumbled into a situation where he might be useful. Yes. I think the thing he is going to have to battle, if he wants to make this team, 
outright. I mean, heck, even the practice squad. If, if he wants to be a member of the Bills past the summer, then he needs to show a consistency in a few different areas. He needs to show a consistency in his mechanics because they are a bit all over the place at times, and it's not... It's not the most appealing thing to watch, especially when you're watching him go through the practice, and, and you can tell it's it's messing with his accuracy. And that part of it, it leaves a bit to be desired. But at the same time, he's also probably seeing all of seeing a playbook for the first time, getting to know all of these receivers, trying trying to understand all of it and trying to stay afloat in the most volatile position out there. And and try to make it so he he looks he looks good but today he was he was fighting it a little bit and i don't want to cr- sit here and crush the guy because it's the first day of his of his nfl career and they're in shorts and pads and everything or not no pads the shorts helmet jersey but he's it just to me it was a bit clear maybe why he went undrafted because he's got to he has to overcome so some things and it's not to say he he can't overcome these things but when you have a a quarterback room that is now not in flux but now it has a question mark it, before when Derek Anderson was here it's like okay Allen's the one Barkley's the two Anderson's the uh the gutsy old vet that's just going to be in there as a secondary quarterback coach there wasn't really room for Tyree Jackson. Now there is. And I think the initial assumption out there by some fans, or maybe what they wanted to believe, is that Tyree's just going to be the number three in 2019, when that is clearly not the case. It doesn't have to be the case. The Bills, in each of the last two years, have had only two quarterbacks on their roster for a solid contingent of the season. I mean, in 2017, I think they originally kept TJ Yates and then they cut him. Uh, it released because of injury or something yeah, he like had that. A concussion. I they think. they released him in early September, um, and they came to a settlement, and then he was gone. And from that point forward, they went with Tyrod and Peterman. Then last year, they traded away AJ McCarron, went into the season only with Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman. So it's not as though they're uncomfortable with only going to the season with with two quarterbacks. Now that turned out to be a mistake, which it maybe did. makes them think twice about it. But they're in not. That- gonna- yeah, they're not going to force feed Tyree Jackson onto the roster no, just because they're I don't desperate. think they're going to do that. And I think the idea that last year would have made them uncomfortable carrying two would only increase the shot that you go out and sign a Derek Anderson type, not necessarily a Tyree Jackson type. But this year's situation is so much different. Yes, it is. And that Josh Allen is the starter wire to wire as long as he's healthy because this is when you start to find out what you have as opposed to last year when it was when do we put this guy in who's gonna you know hold the job in the meantime Mm -hmm. what happens you know if there's an injury and they weren't really they didn't have a very good plan clearly but keeping Tyree Jackson doesn't solve any of those problems for you because if Tyree Jackson ever gets on the field in a regular season game something has either gone terribly right in a game and you're winning by 50 points or something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, he could be on the practice squad potentially if, you know, no team would want him after roster cuts. But he's going to have to go out and 
and earn the job. I go back to his pro day, and he was throwing alongside Jake Dolagala from Central Connecticut, who ended up signing with the Bengals after the draft. Also undrafted, uh, yeah. Local guy. And I remember walking away from that thinking that Dolagala looked like a more natural thrower of the football. You know, I have not watched any of Dolagala's games to know how it translates into the total package. Obviously, pro day is pro day. But more to speak to your point about mechanics and how the ball leaves his hand and, you know, throw-to-throw consistency, Dolagala was a lot cleaner, I thought. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that they both went undrafted based on that made some sense. I mean, you saw today, it was super windy today, but you saw there's... I don't. I almost don't know how to describe it, but his passes flutter a lot. Yes. Almost because he's throwing too hard, it seems like, so that it's not coming out of his hand cleanly, and you know it's not always accurate. It's not always um, the right timing. So there are some things to iron out there, but the traits are undeniable: the arm strength, the, the height, and what I think will show up in the preseason is his speed um, and the way that he can move and extend plays that's worth trying to develop because you don't bring a guy like that in if you're not willing to try and develop him because you paid him a good a decent amount of money for an undrafted free agent Mm -hmm. convinced him to come here at the you know you know he's not going to be ready to be on the field anytime soon so it's more about showing some patience if he ends up on the practice squad fine um but he's got he's got a little bit of a ways to go yeah he does and I actually liked him more when he was on the move and throwing. And I think it's almost because... It was actually the same thing at his pro day. He was he was not in his head as much. It's almost the same thing with Josh Allen sometimes. Well, I was going to say that this part of him reminded me kind of vividly to Tyrod. Because Tyrod in the pocket... And Tyrod, when he got flushed from the pocket, were two totally different players. Tyrod, out of the pocket, saw the whole field and, and would make plays. and it, it, it was Everything was just natural. But Tyrod in the pocket, was he was just in his head the whole time. And, and it led to indecisiveness. And, you know, we know how that whole thing goes. We don't have to go back to it. But it, it kind of the same with Tyree. Maybe he's thinking a little bit too much about his mechanics, his, his drop back, his footwork. And all of the all of these things that you have to think about as a quarterback, or that you have to correct if they're not naturally there, which they aren't for him. But once he's rolling out to his right and just slinging the ball and and being himself at his most natural form, he's he's, he's he can put a good ball together. There were there were a couple of really good passes that I saw from him today in those specific instances. But it's that's not what being a quarterback is all the time. It's you have to win from the pocket, and for Tyree, he's he has to show a better consistency there, and of course, way, way, way early. But that's why it, it makes him compelling to see if he can develop into that. And if he doesn't, then I I don't think the Bills would hesitate to go. You know what? We tried it out, didn't work. So be it. We'll try we'll try something out out again uh, next year. Random point about the wind. Because a lot gets made or there's a lot of rabble rousing over, you know, the idea that you need to have a strong arm to play in this wind or whatever else. 
it was really, really windy today. And Tyree Jackson has, what, one of the strongest arms on the planet playing football at the moment? Would that I don't th- be I don't think a his, stretch? I don't think his arm He's is, got a strong arm. I don't think his arm is anywhere close to Josh Allen's. No, it's not um, the same, so. same oomph. I think Josh Allen might will be right there with Patrick Mahomes as the strongest arms yeah, in the league. The fastball. Yeah. But you know, Tyree's got plenty behind his sure. his ball. And there was a flat pattern or a quick out that he threw today that the wind literally took it like yeah. six inches and it was a drop. Yeah. So I guess arm. it doesn't matter how strong your arm is in certain wind conditions, which but it Even also Tyree Jackson couldn't cut it through this window. It time. also looked like it came out of his arm. I remember that throw. It was coming straight at us, right? Yeah. It, it, it came out, out of his arm, arm really it, weird. It always it does a lot, yeah. which is kind of like when he's throwing those deep passes. It kind of reminds you of when you throw like a not, not even a wiffle ball. Well, kind of like if you're throwing a wiffle ball and it's really windy and you throw it too hard, mm-hmm. or you throw something that's really light too hard and it sort of flutters on you and it doesn't come out of your hand right, that's what it reminds me of when Tyree throws a football because he's throwing it so hard, but it's not coming out clean, so it flutters and he doesn't have a lot of control over where it's going. There's also probably nerves at play there today. Nerves, wind, and no timing with the guys that he's playing with all factor into that as well, but it showed up a little bit at his pro day, which was indoors, so um, that's what makes me think of it but you don't obviously the ball doesn't have to come out of your hand in a perfect spiral to be successful in the nfl but Mm -hmm. um it's more a matter of just him getting a little bit more comfortable and and calming down a little bit yeah we'll 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 see him as he goes along like i said he's he's got a he's got a journey ahead of him but the good news for him is that it's all there for him if the the path to the active roster the path to the 53 man roster is there it's all on him he has to earn it. He probably has to earn it over a special teams guy or someone in a different position because it's not as though he's trying to beat out another quarterback just yet. It's it's him. It's Tyree versus Tyree at this point. And, and you know, figure out what is, is more valuable to them to the 53-man roster. Sean McDermott mentioned today, like, when you carry a third quarterback, sometimes you want that guy to have position flexibility like they had with Joe Webb. And I wonder if they would consider that. Tight end? With Tyree Jackson. If they've even thought about it, if he would even consider it. It was a weird... With how much Brandon Bean thinks about everything, I'm sure he's thought about it. Was an just, int- it was just, just an that. interesting comment from McDermott because uh, it really wasn't part of the question. I guess it kind of was, but yeah. you know, I also don't know that that's common around the league. Mm-hmm. He made it seem like it was... If you have a third quarterback, you better be able to play something else. It's like, well, that's not – Derek Anderson certainly couldn't play anything. No. So, I Derek wonder, Anderson wasn't going to be playing anything this year if he was here. No. <laughs> Outside of random practice snaps. He would have been inactive yes. every week. Yes. He but would, it makes you wonder. He would be Ken Dorsey's assistant. It makes you wonder if they thought about – if they've thought about the idea of whether it's tight end, special teams – something to utilize the fact that he is really big and really fast. I don't know. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't, but that struck me as odd when yeah. it, when it left Sean McDermott's mouth. I agree. And hey, if if you want to add add something to it, um I introduced myself to Tyree today and and shook shook hands with him. I'm a pretty big guy. I've got pretty big hands. He has massive hands massive and he is he had a 
freakish workout at the combine. Uh, and so that's what I'm saying. Like massive hands to like catch the football. If if it ever came to that, hey, that's there. But whatever. Like Logan Long Thomas two point Yeah. In a way. Yeah. That didn't work out great. But no. It worked out better than it it usually does. Man. His number one uh, athletic comparison is Josh <laughs> Allen on uh, Mock Draftable. Big but, old hands. And how about this? His number Tyree Jackson on MockDraftable.com, which takes all your combine measurements. Well, not your combine measurements. I would say. I would hope uh, not. Not Joe's combine measurements. Takes prospects' combine measurements, punches them into a um, system, and spits out their closest comparables. Tyree Jackson's are Josh Allen, Paxton Lynch, Cam Newton, and EJ Manuel at quarterback. But when you switch it to skill position, his closest comp is Dawson Knox. And Hakeem and Butler. Hakeem Butler and Foster <laughs> Moreau, who's a tight end from LSU. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, for sure. And he compares to Anthony Nelson, the Iowa defensive lineman, and Brian Burns very closely. Montez Sweat. He compares more closely to those guys than he does anybody on offense, which is very interesting. Okay, so get this. I, so I, make him an edge rusher. I didn't. <laughs> they have an that's opening. That's what his athletic profile suggests he should do. They have an opening. Uh, so. I I didn't know offhand how big Tyree Jackson's hands were. I just looked it up. My God, ten and three quarters, which is how big were Josh Allen? Humongous. Let, let me find out. Josh Allen hand size. Uh, ten and an eighth. So bigger than Josh Allen's. Josh Allen's hands are in the eighty eighth percentile. Wow. Which means Tyree Jackson's hands are. Whoa. He, don't, I'm telling you, like, I have, you know, I'm I'm a six foot five guy. Ten and three quarters, you said? Ten and three quarters is what I just said. You know who saw. else has ten and three quarter in chance? Who's that? Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, he doesn't. Evidently. Does it? Wow. You know who had 11 and a quarter inch hands? Yeah, it's the, what, DeForest Buckner? No, Jim Drunkenmiller. I'm only looking at quarterbacks. Oh, okay. Wow. Jim Drunkenmiller, 11 and a quarter inch hands. From Dak Virginia Prescott Tech. has 10.88 inch hands, which is quite big. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, they're huge so, hands. So, hey, if Tyree it, Jackson if is it, among the elite of the elite in hand size. If it doesn't, uh, if it doesn't work out at quarterback, tight ends always there. Anyway, Ed right, Rusher let, also. Yes, option. yes. Uh, let's discuss some of the um, the skill guys like. Some, some names I wanted to get into. Duke Williams, David Sills, V, um, Christian Wade, Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox. Um, I think of, of that group, the guy that, that stood out more to me than any of them was Christian Wade, which is kind of fun because, I mean, he's an older guy, so maybe that's why uh, he kind of stands out in this setting. And running backs... It's tough to get a real gauge on running back specifically in in this setting because really there's no real blocking, there's no real um, tackling or or trying to do everything you can to stop a play. But even still, his ability to to not only, once he was in space, once he got into space, like his vision and the way that he set people up and how he ran down the field, I'm like whoa, okay. And you immediately saw, when he was running wide, you saw the rugby background like like crazy because that that's what you do when, when, when you pitch it back and, 
and uh, you, you find the hole, you have the vision to go go from there. And I, I could see how his speed came into play all those for all those years that he played there. But yeah, I, I, he was he was definitely uh, I was pleasantly surprised by him today. I, I will say that for someone that they were basically gifted. Right. So I talked to him the other day, and what was interesting to me is I don't really know anything about rugby. But he said about 80% of rugby is just sort of what they kind of call like free flow. There's not really set plays. Right. And so you you have the ball and you're just kind of going to space. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what will most naturally translate to the football field. I mean, it is funny, you know, talking to him and, um, you know, realizing how much he just like didn't know like he'd never seen a playbook the size of you know though they train him down at img they give him playbooks and they kind of overload them so that when they get to a team it's a little bit simpler but like he's running routes and they're telling him to run an out route so he just kind of does you know the the general idea of it and he had no idea that his footwork had to be a certain way or that there was ways to set people up or anything like that or like Sean McDermott was saying today, he probably didn't even know what the A, B, and C gap were. Little Which things that guys wild. don't think about. So, like, it's a steep learning curve, but not that steep at his position. No. Because... A lot of it is seeing and recognizing how players are using their bodies and and and, that's and, a lot and where they're positioned. And rugby. Yes, like, and absolutely. So a lot more instinctive. Where they kind of see him as either a running back... He can play in the slot. He can possibly return kicks. And so, and then also special teams as, you know, a gunner or something. Because he is fast. He's explosive. He's built like like a running back should be built. He's not built like you're, I mean, he's probably, what, 5'8"? Five, five, it says 5'9", he's he's but... Whoa. He was listed at 5'9", 196. On here, I on, think. The, on the roster but, card, it's 5'7", 185. Yeah, so that makes more sense. Yes. When they initially signed him, they listed him at 5'9", 196, I think. But And you could definitely tell the difference in body types between him and Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary is also 5'7", but 203 pounds. And yeah. a lot more built like a, uh, a standard running back that, that you would think. That, that you would uh, you would expect him to look like a little bit bigger tree trunks in the legs area that that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it, it's how they handle Christian Wade will be interesting because, like you said, they they don't really have any commitment to him since they were just randomly given him. But at the same time, if you can keep this guy on your practice squad, and I know he's twenty seven years old, you get an extra spot on your practice squad to keep him. I don't know exactly how running back miles, you know, will be different than rugby miles. Right. Uh, and he's not entirely sure of that either. He's He thinks it will be less taxing. It'll hurt more to get hit. It'll be, the hits will be more violent, but there won't be as many of them. And right. he has pads on. So it's a give and take. But he's seems to have quite a bit of juice yeah he does and i think both he and duke williams looked like they should look as 27 year old men playing up against a bunch of guys that won't play in the nfl beyond this that are also probably full of nerves as well but duke williams 
and Christian Wade, probably more so Christian Wade, Duke Williams is a different conversation, but Christian Wade is playing football against a defense for the first time in his life today. Mm-hmm. He's never see, you know, gone through plays like that. Now, there was no tackling or anything like that, but he could have very well looked lost, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Mm-hmm. So how he looks when the veterans are, are out there, how many reps they give him, all that stuff will be a hint because he didn't get a ton of run early on today as they were giving Devin Singletary a lot of it, but they started to work him in and I think probably started to see what we saw. I was like, oh, well. So maybe he, he might be a little he, further along than we anticipated. Exactly. Yeah. And and they probably had no idea what to expect today. Oh, gosh, no. I know How could you? But he's been in here 10 hours a day because he doesn't have a whole lot else to do. and He's in a foreign country. <laughs> you know, what he told me was that he'll – you know, because a lot of classroom sessions at this time of year. And so what he's been doing is staying after and working on what they're going to do the next day with the coach. So -hmm. that if there's something that he doesn't understand, he gets ahead of it rather than having to stay after just to figure out what the hell just happened in a meeting. He wants to be able to go into the meeting and understand what they're talking about as opposed to having his head swim and then afterwards trying to play catch-up. So he's trying to stay ahead of it while – it's doable this time of year as opposed to getting into training camp you're worrying about your body and everything else as you're going through the the physical toll that that can take and instead you know you can maybe you know be in a good mental place with the playbook before you know when they really start playing football also one of the best pairs of cleats out there today those things were fire he is had like electric green on the cleat area with like a, a charcoal metallic uh, gray on the top. It was, it was a good look. I think an understated thing about Christian Wade, especially on a weekend like this, is this guy is a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He knows how to handle himself. And, you know, Sean McDermott mentioned his energy. And after I talked to him for probably 45 minutes the other day, and it was, I walked out thinking, man, I know they didn't want this guy or they didn't like go out to find this guy, right. but he is definitely the type of guy that they would go out and find and that they would want to bring into their their room because he is that guy that's full of energy that works his tail off and you know I think that type of passion is contagious you never know a program like that and but the difference with a guy like Christian Wade is he kind of had it all in rugby Mm -hmm. but he saw that he was hitting a ceiling and that there you know how he was viewed in the sport and said, you know, I'm going to try something else before it's too late and has a a passion for it as opposed to it being, well, I guess I'll do this. This was, no, I'm going to leave at basically the peak of my rugby career and go, you know, try something completely different. It's a, it's a risk, but I think it's one that, you know, it's going to be really interesting to follow. It's a yeah. super unique story. Yeah, it, it's. I'm, I'm not super unique because I guess the, there's three other guys doing right, it but it could be it could be a lineman. But, but like, yeah, he is a skill position player and a very noticeable one in a training camp and preseason setting because you get so much run as a running back in the preseason, and so how he how he um, evolves in this position, I think I think we're going to see one of two things. We're either going to see him completely be swimming by when training camp gets here and and you know he's just goes off the deep end or you could see him make huge strides because unlike all of these other players he is the only one that is going through 
padded practices for the first time. And that that's where you see such huge signs of growth. So I don't know. I really don't know what to expect from him, which is part of what makes it so fascinating. So I, I personally cannot wait to see how his story kind of unfolds this summer. It's, it, it's one of the ones that, although he probably won't make a huge impact on this team in 2019, that's one where you're, you're constantly tracking, okay, what, what number is he, 45? Yeah. What's 45 doing today? Injuries happen at running back. They do. And we've seen lesser players than him, you know, guys that were just on the scrap heap get called in and thrown into action. So... If he's developing and all of a sudden, I mean, Keith Ford got carries last year, you know, so who's to say that mm-hmm. I think there's a rule that once he's on the practice squad, he's on the practice squad. That's it. Nobody else can pluck him off. And they get, obviously, the 11th spot for him. Right. But I don't think they can promote him unless there's some sort of rule where if there's enough injuries or whatever else. But right. he's the other thing about him, too, is that he's a big deal over there. Like, they're tracking him closely. Because, yeah, there have been some rugby players that have come over. And like you said, some have played other positions. You know, Nate Ebner is probably the most famous guy who was really good at rugby. Who, But he played football at Ohio State. Like, you mm-hmm. know, so right. I think, you know, that's a different case. You had the guy from the 49ers um, who ended up getting in a ton of trouble for um, sexual assault. So that was that kind of flew off the rails. He had a shot to make it but this guy is you know was a star in their sport and so they're you know there are people following this story closely it was kind of a a big deal for this you know pathway program that he was in there and it's Mm -hmm. kind of funny i didn't realize until i was digging into it further like oh they just randomly got this yeah like i remember reading i know that the afc east randomly got these guys and i know i think they were supposed to rank them but it wasn't as if brandon bean went down to that pro day in tampa and was like oh man we got to get this guy it was right oh now we've got this guy and an extra roster spot and an extra practice squad spot if we if he doesn't that's the other weird thing like what if he all of a sudden you know what if they throw him back at punt returner in the second half of a preseason game absolutely electric and he's really good at it and then you can't sneak him right because somebody tries to claim him i mean he has enough ability that I'm not saying he's going to turn into a 30-carry-a-game running back, but he has enough ability as a ball carrier that he can be a weapon, especially in the NFL these days that's wide open, a lot of space, undersized, fast guys can make a difference. And I don't know. He'll be, again, there's going to be a reason to watch the second half of preseason games. You'll have Tyree Jackson. You'll have David Sills. You'll have... Christian Wade. I mean, there's going to be some some interesting guys running around as opposed to, you know, not to slight any of the guys that there are usually out there, but I don't know. They're all kind of weird, interesting stories. Yes. Um, another one that will be out there late in preseason games that will be fighting for a roster spot, who I, I actually I like for the 2019 season, is Tommy Sweeney. I mean, you know exactly what you're getting with him. He's not going to break a big one. Um, he is competent enough as a short area route runner to where he can find the open spaces and and park down and get open and, and get you some yardage. It's just your 
your solid baseline tight end. And as long as he comes through with the blocking, which we really couldn't see a ton of today because, you know, no contact, all, all of that. I mean, you, you saw tight ends practicing it a little bit just with pads in front of them, but that you can't really gauge anything from that. But Sweeney, he's... I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about his chances of making the 53-man roster. Just looking at the position from from the whole view, and you've got Tyler Croft who's at the top, and then you don't know from there. Dawson Knox, uh, I, he showed some flashes. He made this one uh, one catch over the top of another player. Um, there are also I think he had two or three drops today. Yeah, he was fighting it a little bit. Yeah, but he also ran a couple of really dynamite routes. Um, in one-on-ones on the far field, I mean, he, it, it, you can, you can see there's ability there. I, I just don't know. Maybe this year they kind of think him, think of him as more of a red shirt type of thing, and that's where I think someone like Sweeney could come into play because I would almost argue that Sweeney is ready, more ready to play than Dawson Knox is right now just because baseline blocker you know what you're getting he can get you he can win in the short area if he sneaks out uh, maybe in the in the red zone or something like that I, I, I think he has a legitimate shot to, even as a seventh round pick I, I think he could crack this team the tight end depth chart is not that great past he past uh, Croft and and Knox He'll, they might even keep four tight ends who knows I, I'm like I said, I'm optimistic about Sweeney. Yeah, I think he's he's. It's a nice combo of tight ends that yeah. they drafted. I think he's more ready to play a standard role, but I still think Dawson Knox is probably ready to get on the field in some capacity. But he's not going to be. I guess we'll see when the the veterans are out there and when they're actually able to block because he was a pretty good blocker in college. But he's got. He's a little bit rougher around the edges, but yes. he is also much better athlete. But oh yeah, so it's not even a comparison. Knox but, is such a better athlete than Sweeney. But Sweeney right now is a is a more complete football player, right. more than likely. So right. I think they're both. You know, you probably rather have them on your team than Jason Kroom, just for the developmental part of it. Um, Jason Kroom had his moments, but. He's never been the guy that you want to count on as a blocker either. So. I'll also stick to this. He fumbled twice of, out of 16 receptions last year. Right. That's so not that's not good enough. He was only on the field out of necessity. you know, I, And that was the case for a lot of guys that got a lot of run last year and the year before, for that matter. More, more so last year. There were guys on the field that were only out there because they didn't have very many other options. They had kind of stripped the roster down to the to the studs and so you know guys like robert foster took advantage of that uh to me jason croom didn't you know like you said he he fumbled a few times i mean he had his opportunities but uh i think it's a i like the two tight ends that they got and i think you know they both have a chance to to factor in and you know i still don't know what the future will hold or what training camp will look like for duke williams but He did look like a 27-year-old man today. Working which was, against 21 and 22-year-olds, yeah. Which was good. Um, again, this is a guy that just tore up the CFL, was very good in the SEC at one point, and has been in an NFL camp. It's still a really tough battle for the sixth receiver spot, 
But yeah, because you don't know what they're looking for because they have a lot of guys who already play the X and the and the Z spot, but they don't. They really, it's Cole Beasley at slot receiver right now. I mean, Zay Jones occasionally wor- works in there. Um, Cam uh, Phillips will work in there. Nick Easley will work Cam, in there. Even Cam was more of an outside guy too. They, he's the one where they can kind of put him. He didn't play much last year, but they put him all over the place because he's he's pretty smart. Um, but like, he's more the um, you know the less of a slot guy and more of an outside guy. But they can put him in there. Yeah, McKenzie, McLeod, but Andre Roberts is probably a slot most likely. But he's also mostly a return man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they really don't have much. They put a lot of work into Easley before the draft, you know, in terms of working him out and showing interest in him. There were connections there. And so, you know, whatever that means, who knows. But I think he's a guy that once training camp rolls around, I'll be interested to watch. He's not big, but he's pretty sturdy as a slot receiver. You know what dawned on me a couple of weeks ago? Or right after the draft when I saw their undrafted guys. Like, wait, they have Beasley and Easley? Both slot guys? That could get confusing. Beasley, Easley. They both have four-letter first names, Cole and Nick. Yeah, the B- small B's and E's. Fellas. They're going to be, uh, they're both probably going to, Beasley's a teens number, isn't he? I think so. Wasn't he in Dallas? Or maybe? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think, think he was 11, I think Nick maybe? was, too. They're probably right around the same size. Nick is eighty six. Oh, is he? Yeah, he was single, he, or he was a a teens number at Iowa. I thought eighty six on here. That's a prime number for a undrafted rookie to get. Although the eighties numbers aren't as popular at wide receiver Correct. as they used to be. Eighty eight for Dawson Knox. I've always thought eighty eight is a really clean number, especially for a receiver. But you don't see it a lot anymore. Yeah, who's mo- eighty eight? Most receivers go. Wasn't Des eighty eight? Des was 88, yes, yeah. I think. I'm, I'm fairly yeah. certain he was. But You don't see it as often. No, I mean, most, most receivers are taking numbers in the teens now. Yeah. It's the sad. The 80s will make a comeback. Someday, it's yeah. all It's all cyclical. Once once Nick Easley starts lighting it up, people are going to be like, yeah, got to get back into the 80s. Yeah, we, we're, we, we need to get back to, to this level. Um, all right, uh... I think that'll probably do it um, because I don't know. I don't really want to go overboard with with rookie minicamp just because it's it's tough to really gauge these guys off of this one setting. You're just looking for signs for the future um, and signs for future practices rather than defined opinions just yet. So you know, we'll uh, we'll see how these how these rookies really um start to practice once uh, uh once they get the veterans back in town well not even in town just on the practice field with them how they kind of how they factor in that's our that'll be our first chance to start to see rotations where guys really line up because you can only see so much in 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 this setting because only only got like i said at the beginning there's only like 18 guys that um that are here that are signed to this roster, so it's it's just a lot of guesswork still at this point. But once once the veterans get uh, onto the practice field, that's when things start to get a little bit more real. So, all right, Matthew Fairburn, let's uh, let's reconvene sometime uh, middle to late next week, and uh, we'll we'll discuss. I don't know, maybe some of the 
maybe do like a, a grand outlook on either the offense or the defense now that they have a draft class. Yeah, just uh, before before OTAs get around here. All right, so uh, that'll do it for us. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Rookie Minicamp edition of the podcast. Um, and, man, football's back. I started a brand-new notebook today. It, was, it, felt, it felt good. You know, you Football know, is sort of back. Y- yes, you know the new notebook. It was no, too, new notebook feeling. Though. Too damn windy out there today. It was. It really was. It did not feel like May tenth. I'm getting a little sick and tired of it, to be honest with you. Well, I I think that'll soon be in the past. I I think I think we're we're creeping up on a, a real breakthrough here. Um, but yeah, it's been your weather report on the Bills Beat podcast, and that's a complete guess. It's pro- I don't know. Might be accurate. Who knows? Okay. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this uh, rendition. We will speak with you next week. And until then, enjoy the mediocre weather. And hopefully, mediocre is kind. Hopefully better than uh, what it was on this Friday. All right, everyone. Talk to you next week. See ya.